Welcome to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm Kent Blanford. Each week, we'll bring you a sampling of some of the best Catholic podcasts being prepared and shared out there on the internet. When a Catholic says vocations, the almost automatic assumption is that we're talking about someone giving their life to service as a priest or nun or monk or some other vowed religious life. And most of the time, that's exactly where the conversation is going. Today on Sampler, we're going to share several podcasts that explore Catholic vocations from all different angles. First up is Father Mike Schmitz from Ascension Presents answering the not-so-simple question, what's my vocation? Hi, my name is Father Mike Schmitz, and this is Ascension Presents. So I work on a college campus, and that means I work with a lot of young adults, people who are in a, in a time of transition, they're in a time of discernment of like, what does God want? me to do with my life? What does he want to do with my life? They're, they're asking about, like, what's my vocation? If you've been Catholic for any amount of time, you know we have this word called vocation. And typically when people think of vocation, they think of like, well, should I be a priest or a nun? Or like, no, I'm called the vocation of marriage. Like, wonderful, awesome. But that's a small idea of what vocation is. In fact, I say there are at least three senses of vocation. First is this. The first vocation is the primary vocation. It never ever changes. It's the universal call to holiness. Vocation means call, right? So the Second Vatican Council said that every person on the planet, Catholic or not, Christian or not, no matter what, atheist or theist, every person is called to holiness. It's universal call to holiness, which means this. Every person on this planet has a call, has the call to be a saint. Basically, you realize when you're born, you have a destiny. Now, that doesn't mean fate. I mean like you're fated into it means you have a destination. And God's destiny or his destination for you is life with him forever in heaven. So to be a saint. So the first vocation, the first call is the universal call to holiness. You're all called to be a saint. Here's that first one right here. Boom. The second sense of call is what we typically think of. It's uh, marriage and family, consecrated single life, religious life, or the priesthood. So those four kind of senses of vocations. That's what we typically think of. Like, should I be a priest? Should I be married? Should I be a nun? Should I be a consecrated single? Yep, that's that second sense of vocation. The third sense of vocation is, what are the immediate tasks? Or what are the, what's the immediate mission that God is calling me to do right now? And that will always change. That always changes. I mean, um, regardless of whatever vocation you're in, like for example, if you're married um, and you don't have any kids, well, then your mission is looks like this. But if you start having children, oh, it kind of changes over here. So this one, this third sense of vocation, God's call in your daily life, always is changing. It's fluctuating all the time. This middle one, though, is really interesting because that's the one we get kind of preoccupied with, which makes sense. But a lot of times what people do is this. They say, I'm trying to discern God's call for my life, my vocation, that secondary sense of vocation, priesthood, religious life, consecrated single life, or marriage in the family. And we say, well, do I like this or that? Like, do I like these tasks or those tasks? And we think, like, that's a good way to discern. It's not a bad way to start. You have to understand this. These tasks over here, those are the kind of the, the actions of the day. This second sense of vocation, the thing that marks it is this, the primary relationship by which you'll become that saint you're meant to be. Here's what I mean. If you're called to marriage, then, um, so I'm, I'm, if here's Jack, Jack's primary relationship in which he'll become the man God's called him to be is by dying to himself out of love for Jill and whatever kids they have. Here's Jill. If she's called to marriage, that's the primary relationship at which she'll become the woman she's called to be by loving Jack and whatever kids God blesses them with. Um, as, as a religious sister, 
the primary relationship at which she'll become, the woman God has called her to be, is as a bride to Christ and also in relation to her sisters. As a consecrated single, the primary relationship by which that person will become, the person, man or woman, they're called to be, that saint, is through serving the people in their lives. That's just by pouring themselves out in their parish, in the, the people around them. As a priest, and this is amazing, it just humbles me, I mean, um, is the primary relationship by which I'll become the man God has called me to become is by being as Christ the bridegroom to his bride, the church. That's the primary relationship by which I'll become the man God wants me to be. Now, you see this, the, the, the first call never changes. You're always called to be a saint no matter where you go. Second call is more stable, but it's not completely stable. That third call is always fluctuating. That's one of the crazy things, amazing thing. That's why it's really important to discern the relationship. Here's an example. I knew a, a couple who, um, they were really athletic. They loved doing sports together, loved racing. They were marathoners and triathlon uh, athletes. And so they got married thinking like, this is amazing. I mean, they loved each other a lot and they thought, we love doing all these things together. Well, like two weeks after they got married, they were in a car accident and she was paralyzed from the neck down. All these things changed. All the activities they wanted to do, all the things that they kind of brought them together, like those hobbies and stuff, that all changed. They couldn't do those anymore together. But this piece, they had discerned that, no, it's you, it's the person, it's, it's the other person. That's, that's what I'm discerning. This is the primary relationship by which I'll become the man or woman I'm called to be. So for the last 30 years or so, he has been laying down his life, serving his bride. The, the, the tasks look really different. And for the last 30 years or so, she has re received his love and given him love back in return as best as she can. You know, because sometimes it's harder to be served than it is to be the one serving. But she's done such an incredible job. And when they do that, this primary relationship, as they die to themselves out of love for the other, they're becoming more and more the man and woman they're called to be. The reality is God's made you for a purpose. He's called you to be a saint. What's the primary relationship by which God will make you to that saint, make you into that saint? And then what's the task at hand? Right now, what is the task that you need to be doing? Even if you don't know what your vocation is, you're this middle vocation, what's the task you need to be doing today? Maybe it means getting off the computer. I don't know. But maybe it means uh, just loving the people around you. From all of us here at Ascension Presents, my name is Father Mike Schmitz. God bless. While vowed religious vocations come to mind first when we start talking about vocations, married life and single life need to be part of the conversation as well. The next podcast comes from Heather Johnson at CatholicMom.com as she shares her advice to Catholic singles. Hey friends, okay, so today's video I'm actually going to be talking about vocations because I know that I'm a, a mom, a married woman with five children, but actually it's very interesting because if, um, if I were to someday be a saint, which we all want to get to heaven and that's what a saint is, if someone were to say, Heather, what would you want your, you to, what would you be a patron of? I think for me, honestly, it would be for the single singlehood and like waiting upon your vocation because I kid you not I wanted to get married right outside of high school like that was my dream was to be a wife and a mother and to live happily ever after 
and I had a great zeal and desire for that. However, I did not meet my husband until I was 29, and that was very, very painful for me. My 20s were so painful because all I truly wanted was to be married and have children, and through that like waiting upon the Lord, that is where I really grew closer to God. And so I wanna talk about that in this video because I've realized that my genre is usually like, you know, Catholic moms, but there's a large portion of men and women who watch this who are single and who really truly wanna get married. And there are so many men who have told me like, I really want to find a good Catholic woman who, you know, is has virtue and wants to love God, who, you know, is Catholic, all those things. And same with women. I've had a lot of women say, like, I just don't know where my husband is. Like, there aren't any good men out there. That is not true. There are still very good men and women out there in the world. And it's, um, it, I encourage you to pray for them, whoever your spouse is, get down on your knee and pray for them. Not necessarily that you meet them, although that's important to do. Like eventually you wanna meet them, but pray for them because more than likely they're in a spiritual battle right now. You know, whether it's in a different relationship or, you know, not, not following Christ, like you don't know who they are more than likely. Just know that, you know, whether you're 40, 50, 60, you're single, you still wanna be married, like God can do anything. He knows what we need and we need to just trust that, trust the process. If we're open, then we have to trust that God is going to um, show us the way and lead us and guide us. Anyway, if you are married and you're watching this, please give your words of wisdom down in the comments on what helped you, maybe your story, what you did while you were waiting upon the Lord, to find your vocation of you know being married so i'm going to talk about that today i'm going to talk about what to do while you're waiting for your spouse um so for me like i said i was 30 when i got married met my husband when i was 29 and a, almost a year later we were married and my husband is three years younger than me and he is amazing and so I knew from a as a little girl that I really, really wanted to be like my mom and have lots of children, be happily married, and be a stay-at-home mom. Those are the things that I really, really wanted. Um, and I think that God kind of knew that. He put that in my heart because that's what he wanted for me too. And I think that I used to think that um, God didn't want me to be happy. Um, if, if that's what I want, then he's surely going to make me a nun because that is, I want it too bad, you know, type of thing. The holiest thing that you can do is do God's will for your life. That is what will make you the holiest. And for me, it was thankfully being a wife and a mother. Anyway, so I'm going to get into this. What do you do when you are waiting for your spouse? What is it? Like you're sitting there, you're waiting, you you have your job and your heart is just burning because you can't wait to be a wife, a mother, husband a father you know whatever it is i would say the first thing is whatever you are doing right now you know whether you're in your career whether you're in school do it to the fullest be very good at what you do 
you know, and be honest about it, be good at it, and um, just continue to live a virtuous life the way that you are right now. So continue forming yourself to be the woman or man that you are hoping to find a partner in. Um, there was a guy that I dated who, um, he was a wonderful guy, but a little misguided, and he, um, he really liked pot. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna say that. Um, he really, he smoked pot, and you know, he also struggled with impurities, and granted, we were more friends than anything, and he was kind of left the Catholic Church, he was coming back into the church, and we, you know, just kind of worked on our friendship, like we were just more friends than anything. He, he told me one day, he's like, Heather, I really want to marry you, and I was like kind of taken back, like, um, okay, and I said, well, what kind of person do you think I want to marry? You know, because I, I'm pretty much the same person I was back then. Like I, I was loved the Catholic faith. I really worked on virtue. I really like did things that I, I felt, felt like God was pleasing to God. And so I said, okay, um, let me ask you something. What type of person do you think I want to marry? And he's like, oh, um, well, you probably want to marry somebody who loves Jesus. And I was like, yes. And you probably want to marry somebody who's Catholic. And I said, mm-hmm. And you probably want somebody who, you know, would be a good provider. And I said, sure. Like, you know, somebody who's good with children. Yes. Like, you know, and I kind of like helped him to understand he wasn't prepared for me if that makes sense. Now, if he like cleaned up his act and he, um, you know, stopped smoking pot and became really virtuous, like worked on virtue and, you know, all these things, like worked on purity and all these things, then, then that is the type of person that I would have been like, okay, like I could be interested in this, you know, type of thing. So the reason I tell you that story is because I want you to think of that what type of person do you want to marry? I'm hoping that it is a good, virtuous, holy person um, because that is what God wants you to marry as well. And somebody who will help you, you know, who wants to wait till you're married to come together marriage-wise, you know, and like all these things who will be a great father or mother to your children and stuff. So first and foremost, become that person that you hope to marry some someday, you know, that you really want to marry, become that person, you know, like um, go to mass every Sunday, help with Bibles, you know, help with uh, Sunday school, like do these things that will really encourage virtue in your life and grow in your relationship with God more than anything. This is the time. And it's funny. I, I know people had told me that before. Like, oh, you're once you get married and you have children, like, you're not going to ever have time. Like, do it all now. And I wish I would have listened to them because it is so true. Like, having five children and a marriage is so full <laughs> is what I'm going to say. It's amazing. It is truly amazing and worth it. And I love it more than everything. Like it's exhausting, but it's so beautiful. And I'm so thankful that I have it. But I wish 
looking back that I would have like spent more time in adoration, you know, more time going to daily mass, more time praying rosaries, like all these things that I can't really do now. Like it's very hard and I have to figure out babysitters and you know, all of this stuff now. Whereas if you are free and you have access to all that, I highly recommend going deep in prayer which leads me to my you know kind of on the same track is use your time now wisely use it so so well um so use this time to serve others because once you're in marriage it's all about service a good healthy marriage is when you are serving your spouse you're serving your children you're doing things for other people the way that Christ serves us, you know, like he died to himself. That's kind of what marriage is. It's a lot of dying to yourself. It's not like what the movie, the movies portray as like, you know, the fairy tale, the romantic comedies. Sure, there are moments like that and there's great moments, but it really truly is. If you want a good holy marriage, it's a lot of sacrifice. It's a lot of compromise. And so use your time now wisely in that way. Prepare yourself to be a servant to others by serving the poor, by serving the church, by doing things for other people. And um, and that's how you, you will feel fulfilled when you do that. When you give your life away, you will feel the most fulfilled. Um, even when you're single, even when you're married. Just some practical things for preparing for meeting your spouse is um, pay off all your debt. Pay off as much as your debt now. And I know sometimes like we can be in that place of like, oh, it's okay, like me and my spouse, we'll figure it out. But there are a lot of marriages that struggle with, mar with money, money issues. So if you can eliminate the money issue problems, um, from the get-go, that is ideal. So work on paying off your debt. Um, and hopefully your spouse <laughs> has their debt paid off as well. My husband and I just did a video about this, but like we both had our, we had just both paid off our debt like a week from each other before we met each other. And so we got to go into marriage. I think we, we only had car payments, but, um, and then we end up paying those off. But that is one stress in marriage. If you can eliminate, I highly, highly recommend it. Um, another thing is like, if you get yourself mentally in a place where you are, um, that you can get married, you know, that you want to be healthy mentally and emotionally. You know, if you came out of a really bad relationship then maybe take some time off and really heal your wounds before going, you know, into another relationship. And the best way to heal your wounds is to go before Christ and to ask him to heal you and to prepare you for your spouse. Um, so I would definitely say that, like prepare yourself. Um, kind of just, my main thing is get your ducks in a row. What type of person do you want to marry? Become the best version of yourself. I remember praying so many novenas. I highly recommend doing a 54-day rosary novena. Um, and like that novena will move mountain. I kid you not, it is so amazing the 54 day rosary novena i'll link mine down below if you're looking for one but pretty much you just pray the rosary 54 days in a row and um it's just so intense and awesome so pray for your spouse because 
you don't know i know for me i used to think like oh like where's my husband i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready <laughs> so now like meeting my husband you know like we would talk and I, you know i was like where were you i've been ready for you for so long and he's like heather i was not ready for you and he wasn't like there were some things that he had to learn and figure out there were things like in his career that he was trying to figure out too so there like even though you might be ready for your spouse your spouse might not be ready for you and that might be a good thing because you want your spouse to be ready for you you know when you meet and that type of thing so um we all have different stories different love stories some people they see each other right away they know that they're supposed to be married other people it takes longer like everybody's story is going to be different your story is going to be different too uh, but the best thing you can do while you're single is cling to god cling to god and pray for your spouse pray for their purity pray for their uh, finances pray for you know that they are ready for you ready to be a parent ready for whatever god has in store for you in your marriage but just keep in mind god put in your heart your vocation like there should be a draw to your vocation you know and sometimes i think we can be afraid of our vocation whether it is marriage or whether it is being you know religious life like there might be a fear there that we need to overcome before fully going into our vocation so just pray for healing on your end and your spouse's end and marriage is beautiful i like i said like i have such a heart for people who are single who are waiting um definitely check out like there's catholic match and stuff like that where you can't like there's like it's okay to do those apps and to find somebody who is in the catholic faith i love that my husband's catholic because that is something that we both are very strong on and that's what i really hope for that my husband would love the catholic faith and um however like i know people who they're both not catholic and it still works like god can still work through that and i've heard of conversions also of like you know the husband wasn't catholic and the wife like through her example through her love through her love for the faith he fell in love with the faith too you know type of thing so anyway i just hope that this gives you hope and that you all are in my prayers like i so many people wrote me letters for for christmas and said they were single and they're waiting for their spouse and that it's very painful and hard and um and I just want you to know you're not alone. There's so many people who contact me who like men and women who are like, where's my spouse? Um, and I'm like, I wish I had like a way to match up all of the single people who watch my channel because um, you all seem so awesome and stuff. So um, it's an exciting time to be single just to keep keep that in mind and just keep praying and God will lead you. God will show you. He wants you to live the holiest life you can. And if that's marriage, then he will bring it to you. Um, and just keep yourself, go to mass. You know, maybe you'll, I, that's where I met my husband is at a Catholic Bible study. Like there's young adult groups, go to them. Like it might feel comfortable, uncomfortable at first, but it'll be okay. Just get yourself out there. Find the Catholic people, surround yourself with Catholics, you know, if that's who you want to marry and, and go forward with that. And, um, 
anyway i hope this video helped you guys know that you're in my prayers and until next time i will see you all later god bless bye you're listening to catholic radio indy's lunchtime podcast sampler and we'll be back with more food for thought right after this so the scan button brought you here awesome we like company get to know us and if you have to leave come back you're always welcome catholic radio indy An interview with Father Trenton Rauch and his story on how Catholic Radio influenced his vocation. I was not struck uh, by lightning and knocked off my horse. I had a lot of time driving in the car listening to the radio. And I just got to a point where I would prefer to listen to something that would be intellectually stimulating. And um, at the same time, I was learning about the faith, particularly the apologetics. Catholic Radio. Building faith. Building vocations. Today's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler is all about vocations. Next up, we'll share back-to-back offerings from the Sisters of Life series, Freedom to Follow, Discerning Your Vocation. First is an episode with Sister Bethany Madonna and Sister Faustina looking at the challenges posed by dating and discerning, followed by Sister Bethany Madonna's episode called A Little More Maria. Hi, I'm Sister Bethany Madonna. And I'm Sister Faustina. And we just wanted to talk to you a little bit today about dating and discerning religious life. You know, Sister, I don't know what the deal is, the pandemic or if just women have more time to pray, but a lot of dating women have reached out to us recently saying, I think I might be called to religious life. It seems to be a panic and it kind of asks the question, can you date and discern at the same time? Absolutely, um, although it is quite torturous. Yeah. So today we just want to hold out a few thoughts to enter into that very real situation to maybe lift a few burdens uh, to clear to clear the water. The first thought we have for you is that both marriage and religious life are two separate discernments. The problem is, you know, when we collapse them into one, you know, it can be rather confusing. What does that even say, sister? It's very difficult, sister, <laughs> to even try to decipher. So what we thought was, you know, a little analogy, you know, what if a young woman was dating a great young guy, Joe, okay, and then all of a sudden she runs into this new interest, Rick, and she's like, Rick, maybe I should be dating Rick. Mm. And it's hard because, you know, should she uh, really discern them both, date them both at the same time? Because Rick, I mean, I mean, Joe, her boyfriend, he's a great guy, he's not perfect, but she really doesn't want to lose him. Rick. He's got some great qualities and she kind of, he's coming up in her thoughts. She wonders, you know, maybe there's something more there. Um, But no, she should not date both of them at the same time, simultaneously. This is the easy advice uh, I hope we'd all give to our friends, right? Exactly. So we can easily say, you're dating Joe right now. And that is where your spousal discernment is. You know, is Joe going to be my spouse? Um, And... And that's a big and important question. And if somebody like Rick has brought up these questions at this time, well, praise God, you know, before you've given your committed spousal yes, mm-hmm. truly take a deeper look into this discernment with Joe. Um, so while it might be easier to sit around and think about all the great things about Rick, mm-hmm. um, you really owe it to yourself and to Joe to really ask what's going on in that relationship. You know, is there something deeper there? Um, am I not satisfied with the idea of marriage? Um, do I not think it's a path to holiness? Um, so a few things to start with. 
What do you think? I think that's excellent advice and it's helpful to use the analogy of a dating situation. But if you find yourself in a dating relationship uh, constantly thinking about religious life or feeling it as a weight on your heart and it's reoccurring and persistent, the first discernment that you want to make is, should I be in this dating relationship? Uh, And you want to bring that to Jesus really honestly and say, Lord, uh, do you want me dating uh, right now? This man or I'm dating at all? You want to be honest with yourself, with the Lord, and with the man that you're dating so that um, he can understand where your heart is and know if you're ready to make a definitive commitment. And if the Lord doesn't give you the peace that you're seeking, uh, it might be time to take a break. And that requires real courage, and that is something that you would want to be confirmed in, uh, but want to make that step so that um, you won't have any doubts, uh, giving yourself a time of singleness and a time of real discernment of religious life, to be able to close the door even on religious life before entering into a marriage and never having to be shaken again by the question of, did I discern correctly? Did I follow the Lord when when he was knocking at the door of my heart? So I recommend making that your first discernment, should you be dating? And if the Lord says, no, I want to be talking to you and be alone with you for a time, to take a season of being single and asking the question directly. No of our prayers for you. God bless. When I was in college, I was reading a saint book to my youngest cousin, Julia. She was about six at the time. and. I don't know, the title could have been something like Virgin Martyrs Who Died the Most Horrific, Unthinkable, Deaths Imaginable, something like that. So we're flipping through, and it's like St. Agnes, you know, and then and then St. Joan of Arc. And we land on Maria Goretti, and, and my little cousin just closes the book, and she looks at me and says, I don't want to be a saint. And I was like, Julia, what would make you say something like that? And, She goes, I think it would hurt. I think a lot of things hold us back from being saints because we perceive the sacrifice that will be entailed. I've been thinking a lot about Maria Goretti, one of the youngest canonized saints in the history of the church. And uh, there's something to be said about this little martyr for purity. You may know the story, and I think that the graphic, violent details can often hold us back from drawing close to her. But when I look at Maria, I see Christ renewing his whole mystery in her. I see her dying for a sinner uh, to save him. I see her witnessing to beauty, truth, and goodness. I think all of us need a little more Maria in our lives, especially uh, in this radical (laughs) culture, in this society. We need to be able to be witnesses. July 5th, 1902. 11-year-old Maria Goretti fights off 20-year-old Alessandro, who is attempting to rape her. And she cries out as this is happening, no, no, Alessandro, it's a sin. She fights so vehemently and with such strength uh, that he panics and stabs her 14 times. She died the next day of those wounds, but on her hospital bed, she said, I forgive Alessandro. I want him to be in heaven with me. (laughs) Six years uh, into his sentence, uh, she appeared to him in his prison cell and she handed him 14 white lilies as a sign of her forgiveness and the Lord's. Alessandro's conversion was so complete and so evident to everyone 
that he was permitted to leave three years early and was released from his 30-year sentence. Afterwards, he went and found Maria's mother, begged her forgiveness, became a member of their family, and sat by her mom at Maria's canonization. I mean, only God could do something like that. It is so amazing. The beauty of Maria's love for this young man. In, in this moment, uh, she warned him, uh, seeing that he was overcome by his sexual addiction and his lust. She warned him and then forgave him after he fell. I think in this culture, we have to recognize, how often am I assaulted? How often are we assaulted uh, with impurity, with vulgarity, with lewdness, with disordered passions? Um, it can be very easy to kind of get used to it, to tolerate it, you know, to excuse it, to justify it, uh, or so all to welcome it uh, as entertainment or pleasure. Blessed are the pure of heart. They see God. They see God in everything. <laughs> they see God in themselves, and they see God in others. Here's the thing. Our sexual desires are good and holy and God-given. They point to a reality that we're called to communion. We're called to life-giving union in the sacrament of marriage. These desires can often be clouded. They can be misused. They can be twisted. Purity is so freeing. Chastity is a virtue that we're all called to. Chastity is the right ordering of loves. It's the appropriate expression of my love according to my state in life. So it's how I temper my passions. It's how I choose the good of the other over my own selfish desires and needs or that tendency to grasp. Chastity, when it's lived, is radiantly attractive. It is so beautiful. It's full of wonder and awe and reverence and respect, and it's a strength all its own. Um, I think each and every one of us needs a little bit more Maria in our lives, right? To be able to defend our own innocence, and when it is assaulted or attacked, to fight unto death so that it is not stolen from me, so that what God has given as a spousal gift will not be taken or tarnished or tainted in any way that the way that I look and see others will never be abused or misused. Couple of suggestions, recommendations, imperatives. <laughs> Stop watching filth, okay? How many movies, shows, and commercials overtly mock the sacred? Um, treat promiscuity lightly, <laughs> glorify drunkenness, or try to normalize that which is disordered. It's having a serious impact on the way that we think, and the way that we live, and the way that we love, and it has to stop. Stop listening to trash, okay? It's that simple. Music penetrates within us, and it has a massive impact on how we feel and how we think. So try putting on Palestrina's Siku Cherus as a deer yearns for, long, for running streams. So my soul yearns for you, God. Um, go on to our YouTube channel and listen to the sisters' originals or write your own. <laughs> Stop tolerating pornography 
in your own life or in the lives of others. Pornography is a scourge. It wrecks havoc on our hearts, on our lives, and on relationships. And I say this with great reverence because addiction is real and it's very painful. We need to employ every possible means of spiritual and human resources to be able to gain freedom from this. The Lord wants it. I want to recommend a new book called Uncompromising Purity. It has testimony, it shares stories, it gives recommendations and several resources specifically for women who find themselves struggling with pornography and masturbation. It is an excellent resource. Um, another recommendation would be to revert back to the flip phone. I love it. It's easy, it's simple, makes your life a dream. Next, stop settling in your dating relationships. Seriously, okay? Make a commitment to yourself and to God to save sexual intimacy for your spouse. And then buy yourself a nice ring or something to remind yourself of this commitment. And then if the person that you're dating cannot respect that, they can walk, okay? Just bye-bye, you know? Because you don't need to tolerate that and this person needs to know that that is not acceptable behavior and perhaps that will be the instrument of their conversion. This is what we pray for, right? But if you lower your standards, you get less than what you deserve, which is love. You deserve love. Hope for love, believe in love, choose love. Listen, the children of God live differently and they should be distinguishable from the rest of the culture, all right? In this month of July, this month dedicated to the precious blood, I encourage you, I exhort you to ask the Holy Spirit to bring you beneath the cross so that the torrent of love flowing from Jesus' pierced heart will flow over you, that his precious blood would come over your mind, over your thoughts, over your memory, that it would cover your soul, that it would come into your heart, and that it would cleanse all of your desires and bring healing, healing and fullness of life. Ask for this grace. Jesus loves you deeply, passionately, intensely, wholly, wherever you are and with whatever you're carrying, whatever you're struggling with. He wants to grant you the grace of freedom and healing and deliverance. He grants us forgiveness in the sacrament of confession and heals the wounds that sins inflict on us. Through the intercession of Mary, his mother and our model, she is the pure one and her purity does not separate her from me. She shares it with me. I want to consecrate myself to her, and then I want to wear the scapular or the miraculous medal, some reminder that I'm thinking of her and she's thinking of me, and she's interceding for me, just like she did at Cana where she saw a shortage, a need, and she said, Jesus, they have no wine. Well, we need it. We need new wine, the wine of pure love, of real love, of true love. And so, asking Our Lady for the grace for a complete restoration of my innocence. I encourage you to pray, ask her to intercede for you, that your innocence would be restored. Jesus came saying, I, I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, and this is what he wants for us. So let's pray. In the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Blessed Mother, we entrust our hearts to you. We ask that you would intercede for us, for the complete restoration of our innocence, for a renewed sense of our own goodness, how loved we are, how deeply loved we are, 
that we would experience this in the depths of our being and that we would be able to have the courage to live in accord with our great dignity and with a desire for heaven, that we would be able to be in eternity with you and with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that we would bring as many with us as possible. We entrust our hearts to you. Amen. When it comes to your vocation in life, the key word that comes up again and again is discernment. Now, discernment isn't easy and can be a bit frightening. In our next podcast here on The Sampler, Father Etienne Hubbard from the series Listen, My Son takes up the question, can I choose the wrong vocation? I'm curious. Does this statement relate to your experience? What I want more than anything is to do God's will. But what if I choose wrong? Will God reject me? Will I ruin my life? Let's talk. Hi, I'm Father Etienne, and this is Listen, My Son, a place where I help young men and women on their journey to vocation fulfillment. I want to show you some pictures. What you are seeing is the Abbey Church and Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Conception, Missouri, a Benedictine monastery nestled in the hills of northwestern Missouri. It's a beautiful place where the monks here gather six times each day to either pray the divine office or celebrate Holy Mass. It's the place I've called home for 10 years now. While I have my ups and downs, I'm at peace with my choice to profess lifelong vows with the monks here. That peace didn't come easily or quickly because I was afraid I would anger God and ruin my life if I chose my vocation incorrectly. And I've met several people struggling with the very same thing. They want to do God's will, but they're afraid to choose incorrectly. And so they think God will reject them and that they'll ruin their life. So you've probably heard, as I have, vocation stories that express in some way this sentiment. Without a doubt, I knew right away I've always known what my vocation was to be. And if you are still here with me, that this isn't your experience. Rather, these thoughts probably go through your head. I have no clue. I've never had a clue. Marriage sounds great now, but yesterday it was the convent. Tomorrow, I don't know. I just don't know, and I'm afraid. You would love to be the person who is absolutely sure. You hope you can say without a doubt that you know what to choose for your vocation. But unfortunately, these sentiments are the exception and not the norm for a lot of people. And we have to come to grips that for a significant portion of us, that means that we simply have to choose without knowing everything. We have to make a leap of faith. Now, we can't choose blindly, but eventually we must choose. Now, I can offer tips on how to help work up to that choice, and I have and I will, but the choice is yours to make. I wish I could tell you that if you follow my steps, easy peasy, all done, and for some it might, but any choice will have risk, fear, and maybe even disappointment. And in our eyes, quite often it is to and from God we experience this. So how do we confront this? 
So there are two things I wish for us to consider. They're not steps, but reflections and mindsets to help guide you through this. The first reflection I need you to consider is this. Who is God? We pray every Sunday these words. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. It defines, in a very special way, who we believe God is. But our experience is far deeper than simply saying these words. How we have related to others, especially those who have influenced us, our mothers, our fathers, our pastors, our friends. Without us knowing it, they inform how we understand God, who he is and who we are in his presence. It matters because if our implicit belief is that God is some vengeful master who demands control over every action we take and punishes every deviation, or that God is simply distant and unfeeling, we see the world in a particular way and will or will not make choices based on that. The same is true if we see God as a loving father who directs and supports, but allows a certain freedom of responsibility for our life choices. Our choices will be dramatically different if we believe that. So you need to figure out what your experience of God is like. And let me lead you through a very brief exercise to show you what I mean, and I'll provide a link down below to a more in-depth look. I want you to ask yourself, which God sounds more accurate to your thoughts and experiences? Is God a master where you have a need for personal achievement as you seek to impress God and others, or you have no motivation to serve at all? Or is God a loving father, where you have a sense of service that is motivated by a deep gratitude for being unconditionally loved and accepted by God? Is God a master, where all you do is seek comfort in counterfeit affections, addictions, compulsions, escapism, busyness, because you can never truly satisfy God? Or is God a loving father? where you seek times of quietness and solitude to just rest in the Father's presence because you know he loves you? Is God a master where you see authority as a source of pain or fear? You distrust any authority, causing fear of making any choice? Or do you see God as a loving father where you respond with respect and honor because you see God as a minister for good in your life, not punishment? My hope is that you work towards seeing yourself as a son or daughter of a loving father, not the subject of an angry tyrant. And as you grow in that relationship as son or daughter and accept it, things do begin to change for the better. Now, probably the most powerful way I can illustrate the next point is to bring to your mind a special place where we bear our souls and confess our sins to God and the place where we find pardon, peace, and absolution. That place is a confessional. My point is simple in bringing you here, but profound, and it can change your attitude completely. So we come to confession, to this place, with the firm hope that God, through the ministry of the church and the priest, does in fact forgive us. That although we sin and reject God by our sin, God has not abandoned or rejected us. Rather, has offered himself so that we may be healed. If we recognize and accept that powerful reality, God doesn't reject us when we reject him through sin. What makes us think 
and convince ourselves that God would reject us if we choose to pursue him by living out a vocation in holiness, the very thing he wants us to do. Why would he reject us in that? Think about that for a moment. To believe in God's care and love in one reality, forgiveness of sin, you must believe and trust in God's care and love in your pursuit of holiness. You need to believe that you're a beloved son or daughter of God and that he loves you and cares for you. Believe that and you can choose. If you like these videos and want more, give it a thumbs up, subscribe, hit that bell icon so you can stay updated to these weekly videos. And if there's a topic or issue you want discussed, comment down below and I'll do my best to address it. Thanks. God bless. And rounding out our offerings about vocations on today's sampler is someone who apparently got it right. Father Cassidy Simpson, the happy priest, looks at the one thing almost everyone does wrong discerning their vocation. Hey everyone, I'm Father Cassidy Stimson, and today I'm going to be talking about one of the most common problems or mistakes that I see a whole lot of people run into when they are discerning their vocations. Now, ever since I started seminary, I've been getting a lot of questions from people about this whole topic of discernment, which, if you're familiar with Catholic lingo, it's this whole question of, what does God want me to do with my life? Who does he want me to be? And specifically, it's asking about uh, state in life, right? Does God want me to be married? Does he want me to be a priest, a religious? And there's this whole tension and anxiety that a lot of people have with making this decision. And so I get a whole lot of questions from men and women, especially thinking about priesthood and the consecrated life, asking, am I on the right track? What do I do next? What should I do as I'm starting this process? So hopefully this video will help answer one of those questions. Now, I get where a lot of people are coming from with this because it's an intimidating process, right? You don't really know where to start if you're just thinking about this for the first time. Now, one of the big challenges in this process is the fact that everybody's a little bit different. Not everyone's spiritual life is the same. Everyone's coming to it with different spiritualities. And your journey with God is always going to be at least a little bit unique, right? We've all got a different background and God's calling us all to holiness in a way that is unique to us. Now, that being said, there are some kinds of patterns and trends as well that are going to be kind of similar between people. And if you listen to a lot of people's vocation stories, you will notice that they are often called in a similar kind of way. And one of those things that you'll hear a lot of people say is they make this one big mistake right at the beginning of their discernment. And that's this, they don't talk to anyone about it. Now, what I'm saying is not that you should go and tell everybody about your discernment process. In fact, that's probably a bad idea, but you do need to talk to somebody. And specifically, the person that you need to be talking to is a vocation director. Now, the reason you need to talk to someone, and specifically a vocation director, about your discernment process is the fact that this is not something that you are going to be able to figure out on your own. There are always multiple people involved in discerning a state in life. In fact, if you're going to be a priest or in consecrated life, the church has to be involved. And the vocation director is the person who is appointed to help you figure this thing out. So, in fact, they're the first person you should talk to, really. Your vocation director is going to be the priest, the brother, the sister, who is specifically going to give you guidance, not just for figuring out your vocation in general, 
But as they're walking with you through this journey, they're going to be the ones who can help you discern and discern with the church whether or not you're called to their specific community. So what you should do is, if there's a particular diocese, probably your own diocese that you feel drawn to serve as a priest, or if there's a religious community that you feel yourself attracted to, call up their vocation director. Say, hey, my name is Andrew, and I am thinking about this. Could you help me figure this out? They'll be able to give you spiritual guidance, and they'll be able to tell you about the retreat opportunities that you'll want to take advantage of as you're going through this discernment process. Now, I know it is scary to talk to these people, and I was really scared, really nervous about talking to my own vocation director. And that's because I think I felt like if I talked to him, I was going to be signing myself up that day, then and there. But this should be a low commitment conversation. Nobody's wanting to force you into your vocation. And a good vocation director is going to be able to walk with you step by step as you're growing in clarity about what God is calling you to do and where your own desires lie. So it's not going to hurt. You're always going to benefit from these conversations. So again, if you are thinking, maybe, just maybe, God is calling you to this life, pick up the phone, send an email, tell your vocation director, talk to somebody in your diocese or in a religious community that you feel attracted to, and just tell them what's going on. Start that conversation. It is the one thing that so many people put off and it is the one thing that you really need to do to get the ball rolling in this journey. Now, there's a parallel here to discerning marriage, I will say, and this is a whole nother topic, but if you're going to discern marriage, you need to have another person involved just the same way. And that means going on a date. So I'll leave it at that. You guys know who you are, but you have to start the conversation. So I really hope this helps some of you. I hope it gives you an idea of what your first step should be. If you're only just starting to think about discernment and you aren't sure where to start, start with your diocesan vocation office or a vocation office of a religious community that you know that you're interested in getting to know better. So I really hope this helps some of you guys who are just starting to think about this whole process. If you'd like to see more content on discernment or anything else, please like this video, subscribe to the channel so you'll know if I post anything else, leave a comment, tell me what you think, tell me what you'd like to hear more of, and know of my prayers for each and every one of you. God bless. And that wraps up this episode all about vocations on the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler on Catholic Radio Indy. You can find this podcast with links to the programs we shared at catholicradioindy.org. I'm Kent Blanford, and until next time, thanks for listening, and God bless. You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy. Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindy.org.